everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Jesus. I'm just so excited to be talking to you guys today, and I have big things to talk about next week, but since it's the 30th episode, I did say I was going to bring like maybe a guest speaker on for this um, episode, because it's the 30th one, but I also had this uh, brilliant idea to do something a little bit different, and... Okay, before I say who's talking right now and how it's going down, uh, I'm trying to do this really fast because I want to get as much time with hearing from this guy. But he's not with me right now, but it's a recording of one of his first sessions on grace. And really, I've talked about him on my very first podcast. And these sessions of just communicating and talking about grace through what it says in Romans really changed my life personally and even I talked about that in my first episode and so today you'll be listening to Terry Virgo and his first session on grace and I believe God used him to speak life about grace and about truth that really sets us free through Jesus and the grace of God and for me that God used him to speak into my life when I was at my lowest and this truly changed my life, and so I think it's very important to understand this grace aspect. It's, pr- it's pretty much the most fundamental thing to understand and grow from, is understanding the love and grace that Jesus provided through his death and resurrection. And so this changes everything. So I'm super excited for you guys to hear about this. And um, really quick, I did have coffee today at Starbucks. It was actually pretty good. I wanted to just quickly talk about <laughs> Starbucks and that it's actually not too bad, but I don't think it's amazing So it's one of those coffee shops that are just like it's such a big brand, but it's like I would say if you could Go to a coffee shop and get coffee because that it's just genuine and the environment is just so much better for me personally Compared to Starbucks, but if you're trying to get to work fast Starbucks is the way to go and so that was just a quick statement because I know I want to get as much time from this video but yeah I'm gonna be pausing the video every once in a while and kind of briefly talking about it if I have anything to say but it's pretty incredible so far what just just enjoy (laughs) have a great time I'll be right here listening with you guys it's great to be with you I've so enjoyed worshiping Jesus with you tonight been my pleasure to meet some of the leaders in one or two meetings this week and uh, now to be here I've been looking forward to it I pray that we can have a great time together and a real impartation of truth that does us good uh, Wendy and I have been cared for magnificently uh, we're so grateful for the generosity of your hospitality staying in a magnificent place enjoying your beautiful scenery I mean why wouldn't everybody move yeah. to this area it's just absolutely beautiful, and uh, we're, we're thrilled to be here. And I want to be a blessing to you, and we're going to be looking at the theme of grace, uh, which for me was life-changing when I first understood that wonderful theme. Having been a Christian for some years, initially terribly backslidden, and then a kind of crisis of faith, which resulted, and as far as I knew how, giving myself to God, but always kind of working at it, trying to make sure that somehow I'm accepted, somehow I'm doing enough. And then I just suddenly saw 
the grace of God. It was like the clouds parted and I saw something. I felt, hey, did I see something? And it's like the clouds closed again. I felt God whisper in my heart, yes, you did. And I'm going to persuade you of its truth. And it was a bit like the believers in the Gospels where it says they heard that Jesus was alive and they couldn't believe for joy. And uh, grace came like that to me. It was life-changing, and I pray it will be for you. I'm going to start in the book of Romans. We'll be in Romans this evening, and tomorrow, actually, briefly, we'll be in Romans. And uh, it's hard to uh, kind of interrupt the Apostle Paul, uh, so I'm just going to take one verse out from Romans 5. Paul kind of argues all the time, and therefore, and so, and therefore, he builds a case, keeps on arguing the way through. And uh, in chapter 5, you'll find that he is comparing and contrasting the results of Adam's disobedience and Jesus' obedience and how that affected all the people who are identified with either Adam or with Christ. And that whole chapter is saying their action completely affected many, many people. And Paul keeps on going from one side to the other, right through the chapter. I'm just going to read one verse, which is typical of the whole chapter, and then we'll get down to it. Okay, so Romans 5 and 17. I'm reading from the NASB. You may have an inferior translation, but <laughs> it won't be very different. Okay, Romans 5, 17. For if by the transgression of the one, that's Adam, of course, death reigned, through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for your presence here. We celebrate you, Lord Jesus. Our eyes have been focused upon you. We're so grateful for all that you did for us. Lord, we can hardly take it in that you would come from the glory, live a human life, be crucified, take away our guilt and shame. Lord Jesus, we, we think you're wonderful and we celebrate you together and we pray for the Holy Spirit to come and be our teacher right now. Come and speak to us, come and make your word come alive in our inner being. Do us good here tonight, we pray, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I paused it, but really quick, guys, I'm like, getting the chills again and <laughs> already like what i said like how life-changing like he's like i hope this is life-changing and like literally that was life-changing for me this whole these sessions that we're gonna be listening to and yeah even right off the bat um this i'm just doing this for like the 30th episode but if you would like to listen on my next podcast the second session please let me know please reach out to me and i'll definitely consider that and we can just do a series on grace i think that's so important for us as believers and even those who are not believers yet and so it's like i'm trying to help you guys out as much as i can and this helps me out just reminding me how important and fundamental grace is and like i said it changed my life and just getting the chills about what he's already talking about in romans like romans is probably like one of my favorite books of all time like the one thing that to me I think about too is like John chapter 17, just Jesus praying for us, and that's insane. But Romans really lays out 
almost like the definition of everything of understanding sin how it started with adam and then even understanding like who god is and like how we were so far gone in sin and then jesus came and took that all away and gave us a new life in christ by accepting what he's done on the cross and resurrecting and just it goes even further than that and deeper and so yeah Hope you guys enjoy. I'm enjoying it so far. It's literally only been like four minutes. It's crazy. Amen. So the verse says that we who receive grace and righteousness reign in life. That's a very vivid phrase, to be reigning in life. I wonder if you feel, hey, that's an echo of who I am, kind of on top, reigning, uh, uh, successful, reigning in life uh, it's not the only verse like that in the bible it says elsewhere he always leads us in his triumph elsewhere it says we are more than conquerors not just conquerors more than conquerors through him who loved us these are kind of extravagant statements and yet this is what it is to be a believer you'll just find verses like this tucked into the new testament right through this is the christian this is the believer He's reigning in life. He's more than a conqueror. And yet, you know, sometimes we feel, that, that sounds good, and that's what I feel I should be enjoying, uh, but I just don't feel I'm quite there, and I want to be there. And that can come sometimes at a special season. Maybe you go away to a conference or something. You put everything else aside and listen to the Word, and, and you get stirred. You get maybe kind of convicted in your heart. Think, Lord, I want to be different from now on. I want to do better. I want to reign in life. That's going to be my goal. Or it may come at the end of the year. You may come to the end of a year. You look back think, Lord, I'm sorry about that. That wasn't what I intended. Uh, you get yourself a new diary. And you think, well, I haven't messed up one page yet. There's a whole, there's a whole year. Uh, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to reign in life. And now that's terrific when you get a fresh stirring, a fresh motivation. We all need moments of motivation that stir us up. And it's great to get that. The sad thing is this. Very often when we get stirred up, we don't read the small print. We don't read what it says. And so we say, well, how am I going to reign in life? I know what I'll do. I'll, I'm, I'm going to set my alarm clock back earlier. I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going I'm to pray longer. I'm going to set myself to pray longer. I'm, and and I'm, I'm going to read, I'm going to read the Bible right through this year. I'm going to read it right through. Why didn't I ever do that? But I'm going to read it right through. What is it? It's like uh, 1,400 pages. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, divide that by 365 right I am going to read however many pages a day I will read my Bible this this year I've got to do it I, I knew a guy who lived in the States actually and he said I set myself I'm going to witness to one person every day I'm going to do it and he said he, one night he remembered he was just exhausted going to bed putting his head on the pillow and thought I haven't witnessed to anybody today <laughs> So, so he got up, got dressed, and went searching the streets to try and find someone. Because he's got this rule he's going to live by. He's got these, these things he's going to do. If I, if, I can, if I can keep these rules, I set myself the rules. If I can keep the rules, I'll reign in life. If I can do this stuff. And in the moment you take that line, you're off center. Paul says this to the Galatians. He says, you who'd be justified by law have fallen from grace. 
That's interesting. When we use that phrase, if we do at all, about, oh, no, I think he may have fallen from grace. We usually mean he stopped coming to church or something. You know, he's backslidden, he's fallen from grace. But the way Paul uses it is this. You've fallen into legalism. That's what he's saying. You who be justified by law have fallen from grace. You've fallen into rules and regulations. That's the way you've gone. You've missed the boy. You've missed the point. You've missed the way completely. And actually, it's good for us to remember, why did, why did Paul write his letters to the Galatians I've just quoted from? What, what was that letter all about? Well, actually, it's Paul's angriest letter, even, even more upset than the, with the Corinthians. He's furious. He says, who's bewitched you, you fools? He speaks to them so strongly. Why? What's happened? Well, this is what happened. Paul went to Galatia. He preached the gospel. Many became converted. Many became filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in Galatians 3, there were signs and wonders. The church was full of God. The Spirit had come amongst them. And, and Paul is doing this great apostolic work, gone to a new territory, preached. Many have been saved. Many have been filled with the Spirit. The presence of God is filling the place. And, well, I've done it. It's done. He's done his apostolic work, which is to lay that foundation, establish that community. He goes on to another town. That's what apostles did. They'd go on and do it again somewhere else. And when he moved on, what happened is this, that some Judaizers, this is what the Bible teaches, some Judaizers moved in. Well, who are Judaizers? Well, they're Christians probably, but people whose roots are deeply back into old covenant teachings and still very much affected by them. And they come in at the Galatian church and they say, hey, Hey, this is great. You Gentiles have accepted our Messiah. This is excellent. Well done. Well done. We're pleased that you've accepted our Messiah. Our prophets told us in the Old Testament that Gentiles would put their trust in our Messiah. This is great. We're so pleased. Um, but uh, there's some things you need to know. I mean, we've been living with him for centuries. We know what God requires. So welcome in. Um, but if you want to make sure all is well and that God really is pleased with you, that you're really accepted, um, some, we, we can help you with some stuff. And they came in like that. They said, for instance, uh, you must keep the feast days. You must celebrate the feast days. And uh, you mustn't eat that kind of food. And um, you need to be circumcised. And uh, you must keep the Sabbath. And what they did, they, they added in all these things from the Old Testament that they felt would make sure all is well. And Paul is furious because he says, no, 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 by adding to the gospel, you're actually undermining the whole thing. You're taking away the wonderful certainties involved. You're confusing the people of God by trying to add stuff in order that they might be accepted when Jesus has already done that. And the Holy Spirit's presence and the signs, the wonders, the miracles, our demonstration. God is already happy with these people. He's in the midst of them. And yet they were getting confused. And if you read right through Galatians, he argues it again and again. Don't do that. Don't go back into that. You're going to miss the point tragically. You'll find it's not only in Galatians, in Philippians and Colossians and right through Romans. Don't get confused. Now, for most of us, we don't feel, you know, you're not told to keep the feast days. Uh, no one's asked me to be circumcised. You know, that's uh, the Old Testament stuff. But what you can find, 
is you become a Christian. Like for me, I, I came completely out of the world. My parents were not believers. I hadn't got any background. I'd never seen a Bible in my home. But my sister went to London. Billy Graham came to London. She came home and said, I'm a Christian. She led me to the Lord, and I became a Christian. Hey, it's all new to me. Everything's new to me. And, you know, people can come alongside and say, hey, you became a Christian. Yeah, yeah, I did. I'd love to help you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, you must read your Bible every day. Okay, got it. Thank you so much. That's really helpful. And um, you must pray every day. Okay, got that one as well. Um, and uh, I shouldn't really do your hair like that anymore. <laughs> okay, okay. And uh, I don't think you should really wear that kind of outfit. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I, I feel so wonderfully set free. <laughs> uh, and for some of us, right from the beginning, we're not quite sure what happened there. Did I get accepted or did I pick up a load of responsibility? What, what actually took place? And Paul wants us to be absolutely clear about this. And so he says in Romans 6 and verse 14, Sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Well, that's a bit of a radical statement. You're not under law. Jesus said the law will never pass away. How can we not be under law? It's a big question. I think if I were to ask here tonight, how many believers here tonight feel that Christians are under the law? If I, if, if, if I were to ask that question. You know, if you think Christians are under the law, raise your hand. Or if you think Christians are not under the law, you, I think if I were to ask these questions, I think many of us would be going, uh, uh, what's Mark doing? Oh, yeah, okay. Because <laughs> we're not so sure about this one. Because Jesus said the law will never pass away. So what's this about? Well, let's just turn the page. If you've got your Bible, hope still. Really quick, I think that's such a great... Oh, just the way he's presenting this right now and talking about the law, I think that's such a great question to even ask ourselves right now. Like, how many times do you feel like you're really striving to be a Christian and you're not just living it? Like, so many times we're trying to work our way. Like, did I read my Bible enough or did I go to church on this Sunday? Oh, I've been missing Sunday for like the past month. I'm not really Christian enough. And it's like understanding that legalistic thinking, like that is not what grace is. And really what Terry is just really doing such a great job right here is just going through how just the old thinking that used to be in like the Old Testament, how people had to live like that. People were just so under the law, which is like, which was fine. That was what we were called into in the Old Testament. But it was just like we were so flawed. We were so sinful. We were so just if we did one wrong thing, we were just we had to do a whole nother sacrificial sacrifice thing. It was just it was tough. But because of Jesus, there's a new understanding of life in Christ. And this is why Jesus is truly the most important thing that's ever happened on this earth. And so he's going to dive into more on that. But yeah, just a really quick thought. To Romans 7. We'll read just a few more verses. Romans 7, where Paul, I think, 
most succinctly sets out our relationship with law and puts it clearer than anywhere else, I think, although the whole of Galatians is about it. But here we're just talking about half a dozen verses. So Romans 7, I'm reading from the first verse. Do you not know, brothers, from speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives? For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he's living. If her husband dies, she's released from the law concerning the husband. So then, if while her husband is living, she's joined to another man, she should be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from the law, so that she's not an adulteress, though she's joined to another man. Therefore, my brothers, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Verse 6. Now we've been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the spirit, not in oldness of the letter. Okay, let's look at this. So Paul is giving us an interesting illustration, a kind of picture language, and he's saying that the law is like our husband and we're married to him. That he has authority over us. And the opening verse says, don't you know, uh, uh, the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. Here it is, we've got this relationship, this husband, this, this law is, is telling us what he requires. You should not do this, you should not do this, you should not do this. So this husband has authority over us. And you can't really argue with him because he's right. The law is holy and pure and good. You can't say, oh, I disagree because it's right. Now, just to say this, and we'll come back to it, I just need to feed this in. The Bible says this, that the devil is the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses us day and night. Right, I don't know if you think of Satan like that. You may think say, Satan's downtown. If I stay away from downtown, I won't meet Satan. No, the Bible says he accuses us. His name, Satan, means accuser, slanderer. He's after you. He's always going to speak against you. He'll speak at you. He'll try condemning you. That's his chief weapon. His chief weapon. He does it day and night. Right, we'll come back to that later. But he gets behind this thing that we're married to this husband who has this high level and is saying to us, his wife, this is what I require of you. And you can't argue with him because he's right. So you're married to this husband who's always right. And, and, and somehow you're feeling, but I'm not sure I can live to his standard. And one other thing about it is this. He never lifts a finger to help you. I can't see too many wives out there. I think he's talking about you, dear. No. He doesn't actually come to your aid. He doesn't come to help. just tells you what he requires. And Jesus says this, the law will never pass away. So you are married to a perfect, fault-finding husband who's always right, never lifts a finger to help you, and he's never going to die. Welcome to religion. I mean, this, this, is, this, is, this is what Paul says. Now, if you read this passage, it looks like this guy needs to die. 
That, that looks like, if you read it, that's what it looks like. He's the problem. He needs to die. Jesus said he's never going to die. So where do we go? Well, verse 4 is amazing. Verse 4, Paul suddenly kind of turns the thing on his head by saying this. You, my brothers, were made to die to the law through the body of Christ. Now, it's very important we get hold of this. Not that the law... See, Paul doesn't argue with Jesus. Jesus said the law is not going to pass away. Paul says this. You have died to the law through the body of Christ. What does that mean? It means that something happened through Christ that affected us. Jesus had two relationships with the law. The first one was perfect obedience. Jesus obeyed the Father. He obeyed the law. He was innocent. That's the word that describes Jesus. He was innocent. He stood up one time and said, which of you finds fault with me? No one could. No one could. He said, the devil's coming. He's got nothing on me. Nothing. Jesus is totally innocent. So he's got that relationship with the law. He can live at peace with the law. He's holy and pure. He is God himself. He, can, he lives this life. So he's got a perfect relationship with the law. But then we read this. And when it comes up to the cross, the Bible says this. God made him who knew no sin. There it is again. He knew no sin to be sin for us. To become sin. He became, Jesus Christ became the personification of all sin and evil and shame and falling short of the glory. He bore it in himself. He became that personification. God made him to be sin for us. Then what happened? He hung on the cross and the law found him guilty, judged him. He died once for all to the law. The law is vindicated. Jesus is condemned, and we were crucified with him. Hallelujah. We died to the law through the body of Christ. The law lives on. Our relationship with it is gone. We've died to it. It's finished. It's all over. Because we were in Christ. The law is vindicated. The law is great. We couldn't keep it. Jesus died in our place. And Paul says, you were made to die to the law through the body of Christ. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. The law can no longer touch me. It's over. It's finished. It's done. It's behind us now. In, chapter, uh, in the same chapter, verse 6, it says, we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound. So we serve in newness of the spirit, not oldness of the letter. Right, we've died. We've been discharged. The, the word there, it says released in this translation. It could be translated discharged. It's the word that you would use if uh, someone was doing national service. Maybe you have to go in the army for a couple of years and, and you're just ordered around. You're shouted at. You do whatever uh, the officer or the sergeant major tells you to do. You know, left, right, left, right. Tell, yes, okay, okay, okay. You do the whole thing. And then there comes this wonderful moment. You're discharged. It's over. It's finished. And uh, I can imagine a soldier, and he's strolling across the parade ground. He's got no tie on. He's got a jacket over his shoulder. He's just kind of slouching away. And, uh, and the sergeant major turns the corner and says, Hey, soldier! He says, oh, Sarge! Hey, wait a minute. I'm out of here. Bye, Sarge. And 
And it doesn't matter how much he shouts at you, he can't touch you. You know, the veins can stand out on his neck, but he can't touch you. Because why? I'm discharged. That's what it says. We've been discharged. Hallelujah. So the law, Paul says elsewhere, the law is good, providing you use it lawfully, knowing it's not for the righteous, but for sinners. Right? So the law can keep on being preached. God's holy requirements can keep on being thundered out there. But the believer, is said it's not for the believer, it's for the sinner. Because why? Well, we've already died to the law. It's history for us. So what does it say in chapter, come back to verse 4 again. You were made to die to the law through the body of Christ so that, so that, it's not the end of the world, so that you might be joined to him who was raised from the dead. Now we're using marriage language here. We've died to that husband so that we can be joined, married to this one who's been raised from the dead. Well, who's that? Well, Jesus, of course. So we've died to the law so that we might be joined to Jesus. In order that what? In order that we might bear fruit for God. Now, fruit hasn't been mentioned before. That's a new thought, fruit. See, the law didn't make me fruitful. The law showed me I'm a sinner. The law showed me I fell short of the glory of God. The law says in Galatians, is our school teacher, better modern translations would say, it's not school teacher to lead us to Christ. It's more there was a servant, a slave, in the, in the Roman world, the Greek world, and his job was to collect children and take them to school. And it was a paedagogos. He used to collect the kids and the drawings of him make him a pretty harsh guy. He's always carrying a stick. And, and he's leading the children to school. And Paul says, now the law is our pedagogos to lead us to Christ. He can't, he didn't make us fruitful. He showed us we were bad and wrong. And he does it to bring us to Christ because we need someone to save us. So that we might be joined to him who was raised from that we might bear fruit. You see, it says in Galatians 3.21, let me read a very, very important verse to you. Galatians 3 and 21, it says this, If a law had been given, which was able to impart life, then righteousness would have come by the law. Right? If a law had been given, that could impart life. If the law could do that, I mean, if the law could do that, let's go downtown. Let's get in all the schools. Let's tell them the law. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall Just tell them. That'll change them. Paul says, no, no, no. It doesn't impart any life. It doesn't actually change anybody. It just shows them that they're sinners. And so Paul says, if, an, if, if a law had been given that imparts life, then righteousness would come by the law. But the law doesn't impart any life. He's an impotent husband. He tells me what's required, but he doesn't impart any life. He doesn't change me from inside. And Paul says, look, we've died to that husband that we might be joined to him who was raised from the dead, that we might bear fruit. Ah, I found a potent husband. I found a husband who imparts life. Jesus said things like this, my peace I give you. Wow. 
My love, I pour it out in your heart by the Holy Spirit. My joy, I give you. Wow, this is a better husband. This is a husband who imparts life. He changes me from inside. The Lord just shows me where I fall short, where I can't do it, where I'm a failure. It's good and right. I can't argue with the Lord. It's good, but it can't change me. So some people say, ah, oh, Terry, this is very dangerous. You need some law. You, you come and what are you saying here? We're under grace, not law. If you have no law, you'll get into trouble. Listen, the law can't do it. The law can't change me. It says in Hebrews, the law made nothing perfect. It can't do it. And so what sounds wise, or you must have some law, it sounds wise, but it's wrong. The Bible plainly says it's not the answer. See, some people, uh, you ask some Christians, how are you getting on? Oh, a bit up and down, a bit up and down. I feel sometimes it's not up and down, it's kind of husband to husband. They don't shake free, the husband to husband. How are you getting on? Well, I'm not so good as it was. And Lord Jesus, I'm really sorry. I've not done so well as I wanted to do. Uh, now look, Lord, from now on, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. Then you'll be pleased that. It's like saying to your new husband, we didn't do so well. Okay, I'll tell you what, I'll really cultivate my relationship with my old husband. That'll help, won't it? No, it won't help at all. Jesus said, I am the way. I don't need a way to the way. He's the way. Even to the church at Laodicea, when they're growing lukewarm, you may be familiar with that. In the letters of the Laodicean church, in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I'm outside the door knocking. If any man hears my voice and opens the door and really works hard at the rules. No, no, it doesn't say that. He says, if you open the door, I'll come into him. I'll start with him. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the one who changes me. Not by the letter which kills, but the spirit that gives life. And so our departure from law religion is absolute. It says in Colossians, let no one take you captive. See, that was trying to take, these Judaizers are trying to take them captive, trying to pull them back. He says, no, 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 you're free. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand fast in your freedom. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. That's, that's Paul's clear statement. And, and so often, beloved, you'll find Christians struggle with this. They think, well, surely I ought to. And, and so I ought to be under law. But no, 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 no. Jesus came to set us free. He said on the cross, it's accomplished. It's finished. He fulfilled the law. He came to fulfill it. He came to absolutely accomplish it. He died to the law once for all. Thoroughly fulfilled it. And hallelujah, we were in him when he died. My relationship with law is over. I do not need to go to law to meet God. I come to Jesus. He's the life imparter. He's the one who changes me from the inside. And it's so important that we see this distinctive between these things. Wow. What else do I need to say? <laughs> Jesus is the way. This is the way. <laughs> if you like Star Wars, then you understand. But, man. Yeah, please reach out to me if you 
want me to continue on these sessions. Um, this first session was called Grace Conference Session 1. If you just look up Terry Virgo 2, it'll pop up on YouTube. But let me know if you want me to continue on. We are about done with time. But, man, what a joy it is to now be in Christ and no longer under the law. Have a great day, everyone. Hallelujah. Thank you.